Blog Talk Radio. J. Rabin. I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Yes, today, today is going to be a solo show, although we are probably going to have a couple of people call in to announce some special events they are having in the name, really, of love here in New York City. Uh, two yogis, actually. Uh, having their respective events, one on Valentine's Day itself and one the night after. And uh, today, I just want to invite all of you to call in, if you would like, at 602-753-1860. That's 602-753-1860. Some of you listen by telephone anyway, which is just a a wonderful technology. And, of course, others of you listen through our website, abetterworld.tv, and yet others listen directly through Blog Talk Radio. Whichever way you do listen, I am glad, truly glad, that you are part of this show in your way and uh, reach us through your means and... uh, Today, you actually are being invited to talk in and participate and be an active instead of simply a passive part of the process. And I certainly will be speaking about one subject or another that I feel are uh, subjects that I feel are pertinent to our daily life these days. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, in between, betwixt and between. Truly, you are all part of the game, and I truly do invite you to play. So, on that note, for those of you who may be new, I'll reintroduce myself, Mitchell J. Rabin. I am a coach, psychotherapist, acupuncturist, stress management consultant here in New York City, in the middle of Manhattan. I have been so for a long, long time. I've been in private practice, and I also began a uh, TV show inspired by the work that I was doing with a longtime radio celebrity, Gary Null, back in 1993, when uh, I started A Better World TV. And I started it because Gary had come over to my healing center 
my rejuvenation center in New York City back in 1990 and loved what I was doing as a therapist and stress management consultant and acupuncturist using uh, flotation tanks and a sound healing, sound womb, very interesting, in a place I had then that I founded called the Center for Creative Well-Being. Yes, using the famous old flotation tank, uh, this one the size of a walk-in closet. It was fabulous. And I had people coming in from all over, and the place got to be quite well-known, and uh, apparently I did too. And uh, I was enjoying being interviewed by various radio and television hosts and reaching large numbers of people in the same hour that I was seeing perhaps one or two clients, a couple or an individual as a therapist or acupuncturist, which is all very, very fine work that I continue to do today. Well, I don't use needles, but I do use a biofeedback system called the Life System, and I do stress reduction work with people using this really rather fascinating software that reads essentially energy fields. And uh, I really developed a taste, if you will, for the larger view using media as a way of healing. And in fact, I've been using it ever since. So uh, Gary Null, who is a colleague, friend, and mentor of mine for a long, long time, uh, really got me started in this domain. And uh, next month will mark 20 years of my being on television in New York City virtually every week. So that's an interesting, interesting thing to be saying because my does time fly? Oh, does it fly? But it's been a very good ride and a very good flight for that matter and uh, one for which I am deeply grateful to all of you who have been listening and watching over the course of many years at this point. And uh, I did begin radio, again, largely through Gary, uh, when he started Progressive Radio Network and invited me to be one of the hosts. And I was on their PRN once to twice a week for uh, the better part of seven years. And uh, at some point, last February, in fact, I began a show on Blog Talk Radio additionally because I was working closely with uh, the third-party candidate, Rocky Anderson, of the Justice Party. And I wanted another venue through which to discuss not only his candidacy, but third-party politics altogether, alternative thinking altogether, and I just wanted another place to do it. And I also wanted to do some focus on the notion of, of spiritualizing the corporation, of bringing spiritual and humane environmental values into the world of business. I think it's so important. And while I did cover such subjects on Progressive Radio Network, no question, I just needed more airtime. And so I began Blog Talk Radio. 
and I'm very glad I did because the audience is wonderful, and I so appreciate your participation when you do, and certainly your good listening ears and your interest in subjects of this sort. So I'll give out the phone number here again. It's 602 753 And as I said, a few people will be calling in to announce events that I'm aware of. Uh, There are many, many more here in the Big Apple. But I did want people to have some alternatives to the standard in-the-box commercialized version of Valentine's Day. You know, I just started writing a uh, an article, I know they call them blogs these days, for Huffington Post today. I actually started two of them, and one just got finished. That was on the State of the Union address. In fact, I'll probably call from it uh, shortly so we can look at some of the subjects there. And the other one was on the commercial nature of love, and it's exemplified in Valentine's Day. In fact, I call it... In fact, I call it commercializing love on Valentine's Day, the heart of the problem. And in fact, I personally feel that it is a problem. It is a problem. And uh, it has led to a serious confusion of the subjects of money and consumerism and commercialization with the highest embodiment we have, which I feel is love and to uh, commercialize it as we see happened um, so infamously on Valentine's Day itself I think does it a tremendous disservice and um, I don't like to see that being the case so I have begun the uh, blog and hopefully I'll finish it tonight for submission on the day of Valentine's Day which look any opportunity to celebrate love be it humane human or divine which is all truly one in essence is a day that we should revel inside of no question however when that love is translated or even defined by the gift of a ring or even flowers, although flowers are so beautiful. It's not about flowers. It's about what is exchanged between people. And that might be a lover. That may be a friend. It's okay. All of it is okay. The focus is on the subject of love itself and all the myriad ways in which love can be and should be expressed in our lives. So if St. Valentine really did um, exemplify that, in fact, I now realize I wrote an article about this years ago. I guess there's something about the whole commercial aspect of the day that has been uh, just rubbing me the wrong way for a long time. And I realized when I looked over my list of articles at HuffPost, I wrote one some years ago, and I did some research 
into the uh, origins of the day. And they're quite benign. They're quite benevolent, and it's all good. What isn't so good, because it skews and distorts the true intent and um, purport of the day, is its commercialization, and it sort of denigrates what is, what is uh, perhaps the highest value and ideal that uh, all of us have as human beings, and that's to love one another and to love life itself and to love all the creation. So um, anyway, that's uh, what I wanted to share. In fact, in that light, I received an email uh, from a friend of mine who is offering a day, or an evening, I should say, of celebration that is alternative to your standard let's go out and spend a lot of money and drink champagne and toast and do the regular consumerist kind of Valentine Day or evening thing and has come up with an out-of-the-box alternative to that. Her name is Michelle Risa, and I see that she has just called in so I would like to invite her on the line to share what it is that she has in mind. And uh, for those of you who are relatively local, or God knows you may even want to fly in for her event. Michelle, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Mitchell. Hi. Hi there. How's everything? Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank good. you. And thank good. Thank you for, good. for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know it was... Last minute, I had it in mind from the other day, but I just got too overloaded and just didn't get a chance to give you a call until the last minute. So I'm glad that you were able to yeah. come and Thank join you. us for a few minutes. <laughs> sure. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, and 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 so it's so delightful when when I have this broad smile on my face because, yes, you know, Valentine's Day can be so stressful to so many people. Yeah. 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 And and what a contradiction. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's Love is supposed to set people at ease, not cause stress. Right, and yeah. and I agree. You know so much that of course I I see the TV commercials too, where only receiving a diamond ring, you know, is yeah. is is a suggestion of having love in your life, and it it leaves me. I mean, even if you are in a relationship feeling so empty, you know, or yeah. or if I don't get that diamond ring, then clearly, you know, the love I have isn't as special as the one I'm seeing on the TV set. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. Um, it sets up a, almost some sort of bizarre competitive spirit, you know, and uh, what does love mean? And it's become synonymous with some kind of material acquisition, you yes. know. Yes. So um, as as you said, we've created something very different because we really believe the holiday is really about you, right? It's really mm -hmm. all about you. And by you, I mean you, me. In fact, we're calling it a me day, a me event. Because yes. okay? so we feel instead of being concerned about how much you're getting or receiving from anyone else, we believe place to begin is to strengthen the relationship you have with yourself. Yes. Um, I love it. Yeah. And we're doing that with, you know, talking about 
how you give yourself more kindness and forgiveness, um, which, you know, is, and, and compassion. And I really, including myself, for most of my life, had no clue what it really looked like to love me. <laughs> I, too, grew yeah. up thinking someone else is going to provide the love I so desperately seek, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, whether it be mm-hmm. you know, a spouse or parents or, you know, a lover, whomever. Um, yeah. Or the material things, you know, the the financial success or the things that come with that. Um, and that, I think more of us are seeing, there's always more to have. There's always the next person. There's always the next place to go. And it comes up empty. And we finally have the beginnings, Mitchell, of, you know, yoga introducing us to this more inner focus. And we yes. take it one step further and help people really go to the, what we consider the true diamond, you know, mm. of, which is which is meditation, which is getting yes. to spend some quality time with you, like a best friend sitting across the table. Want a Valentine's mm-hmm. date? Sit across the table from you, your best friend, and listen. Open your heart. You don't have to do anything. Just be there for you. And be willing to always be there for you. Yes. Right? And and beautiful. And, yeah, yeah. So we will the evening um does in fact contain conversation and discussion about this need to feel loved and the ability to give ourselves and provide ourselves with that feeling of being loved so that when I turn around and and engage in the relationships around me. Right? I'm not this beggar with a bowl saying, please, give me what I so desperately yes. need. Right? Right. I can be a better lover. I can be a better spouse. I can be a better fill-in-the-blank because right. I now have love to give. Yes. I now yes. Have You've been cultivating it inside yourself. And practices such as yoga all the different limbs of yoga, of which there are many, you and I know that, and many do, and more should, uh, that it's not just only hatha yoga, and there are many forms of even hatha yoga, and uh, there are other practices of the Taoist cultivation practices, there are um, Taoist and Kama Sutra style sex practices too, which Mm -hmm. are not actually interestingly about sex itself but about love and cultivation of chi or prana or shakti the idea of energy so yeah it doesn't exclude sex certainly and it is really about embracing love mm-hmm. and when people get that they have another purview of their actions and activities in all of life and um i i feel that you're bringing some of that intelligence to bear in your uh, Friday evening celebration. Is yeah, that true, yeah. Michelle? Absolutely. And the power of that, Michelle, is you then can always, when you learn the skill, which many of us, including myself, as I mentioned, didn't grow up with, I can, when I'm, when I'm needing that kindness or compassion, I can learn to be the provider and really yeah. love Right, so it's so it's a miraculous skill to have because you always can create it. 
you're always creating your experiences anyway. You know, we're right. always, you know, reacting to circumstances and people around us, and we get a chance to really become the creator of those experiences and then the creator of our life. Indeed. So it's very empowering, and I I just want to say, in terms of love, you were speaking about it before. It's as important as the air we breathe and the water we drink and the food we eat. It's as necessary. Hallelujah. Without it, we don't. We really don't live. So, why not learn a skill that enables you to have it, twenty-four-seven? That's 24/7. right. That's right. And, and we, so much of that skill is an attitude and an understanding of what it is, so you can experience it and manifest it, as we're discussing here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, Michelle, we, what is the uh, what are the coordinates for your uh, event tomorrow night. Okay, and I'll just quickly say... Oh, it's not tomorrow is, night, actually. It's it's Friday night. It is Friday night, and it is called Creating Self-Love. Just want everyone to understand that's what it's called. Um, yeah. And it is Friday on the 15th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Uh, we're doing it at 10 Park Avenue, which is the corner of Park Avenue and 34th Street. That's where we're located. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, it's just $18, and if you bring a friend, which we certainly hope and you will, um, any friend, um, yes. you, can, you can get 50% off. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So, and if you'd like to get more information, I'll give both my email and phone number. Yes, please Okay. Go. So M, as in Michelle, just the initial M, Risa's my last name, spelled R-I-S as in Sam A, at and four words to our website is Beyond Body, Mind, Spirit. Beyond, B-E-Y-O-N-D, Body, Mind, Spirit. Or you can call me at 212-889-4986. Again, 212-889-4986. Wonderful. Great, okay. Michelle. Thank you for sharing what you're up to Friday evening in honor of Valentine's Day, a day after the day after i like it and, uh, <laughs> it's really got a good energy to it and i'm very glad you're doing it and offering this space to people to have a more elevated view of what's possible and what the real mm. rudiments are of the domain of love and forever and ever mitchell right beautiful your love forever and ever we'll speak with you again soon sounds good okay and, and thank you so much it's my pleasure. Be okay. well. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. That's Michelle Risa, who, uh, interestingly, I met in my living room. <laughs> well, that sounds funny. I mean, how did she get there? Well, she got there because we had a moveon.org event here, oh, a year or two ago. Well, probably each year of the last few years. And we were celebrating some thing or another, and making a good point about bringing our heart and soul into the body politic and being active, good citizens so we can participate in the uh, harmonious sustenance of our lives as a community. And that's really what it's about, my friends. It's really about that so much. We have our our meditation practice, we have our Tai Chi practice, we have our yoga practice, whatever it may be, 
to help us ground ourselves in the earthly energy and attract, as they say, the heavenly energy. So we become aligned, we become alive, vibrant, fun, humor-seeking human beings who want to give of their heart and soul to contribute uh, to the life that they have been given and give back. And uh, our spiritual practices, our psychological, emotional practices, um, our physical practices help us build chi in order to be more effective and God willing, more mature and, dare I use the word, enlightened in our various life's activities. And uh, here is a one, Michelle Risa, who is helping to contribute her reflections on the magnificent nature of love and bringing it forth in a way, look, let's face it, there are a lot of people who are not in lover relationships, they're not in marriages, they're not in uh, conventional um, lover connections. And so what happens is a day like this, like Valentine's Day tomorrow, rolls around. And uh, based on the media hype everywhere, wherever you go, wherever you look, you think that, you know, Valentine's Day is only expressible with your spouse and you better have one or your lover or boyfriend or girlfriend or what have you and uh or you have not any of the above and it's still a valid beautiful day of love and i so appreciate those leaders in our community uh and facilitators who are doing something to help us evolve our thinking and engage our imagination beyond just you know the the K's jewelry or what have you about what this day is about. So uh, now I actually would like to bring to bear another dear friend of mine, Don Abrams, who is uh, a yogi as well. And I saw him recently and he was telling me about an event that he is sponsoring with his yoga students um, also uh, this one on the evening of Valentine's Day itself. Again, a new, novel, deeper way of experiencing that day of love. Don, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me join you. Absolutely. You it's could- a pleasure, Don. Good to hear your voice. So I just gave a, a tiny intro, but tell us a little bit about what you do in general as a yoga teacher and uh, you have uh, students in a number of places and you've moved along the path of Kriya Yoga. Maybe you can give us a little idea of what that's about and then go into what it is that's taking place tomorrow night. Okay, thank you. Um, Well, tomorrow night, uh, which is Valentine's Day, um, we are having a, a beautiful meditation at the Namaste Healing Center. It's a new center uh, on Fifth Avenue. And we have an ongoing meditation each week uh, on Thursdays. And we practice Kriya Yoga, which has a history here in America from, uh, the, let's say, Paramahansa Yogananda was really the first 
Kriya Yogi from India who, who brought uh, these techniques to the West. So many people have read the Autobiography of the Yogi, and they've learned about uh, the Kriya Yoga lineage, Babaji, Lahiri Mahashaya, uh, Paramahansa yeah. Yogananda. And I had the good fortune in 1981 to meet uh my spiritual master, Paramahansa Hari Harananda, uh, came to New York, and I learned these Kriya Yoga techniques from him, and subsequently was empowered to guide meditation. So we have an ongoing meditation here in New York. Um, but give a little idea, if you would, to our audience, Don, what is the distinction of Kriya Yoga from what most people define as interpret as yoga? Well, yes, there are hundreds of teachers, hundreds of paths, a lot of good stuff out there, a lot of good teachers. Um, the essence of Kriya Yoga, it, it's a simple technique through some uh, body movements, some concentrated breathing techniques, uh, concentrated awareness. It, it's an opportunity where you're really able to go beyond your mind, your body, uh, your senses, and and really have an experience of your, what I'll say is the infinite self. Um, we're part of this infinite universe, uh, but our senses are limited. So you really can't perceive this infinite universe through your senses. So you really have to go within and through meditation, you're really able to get a sense of this infinite universe that we're part of. And uh, it brings about a tremendous I'll say a tremendous inner peace, which is one samadhi, and mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, to be able to get a glimpse of samadhi, um, it, it, it's really uh, what Harry Harananda used to say in, in the deepest states of meditation. He can only describe it as love, love, love. Mm. That's really the essence of it. It's a love. How timely! Words. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, so through the use of some simple techniques, we're able to quiet our mind, quiet our breath, and to become, you know, to really expand our consciousness, our awareness. And this really helps bring uh, more peace, more calmness, more joy. And also, um, I, I really want to uh, highlight that uh, Rosa Ana Campos, who's a very gifted Bajan and Sanskrit mantra uh, singer, mm-hmm. um, will also, you know, she'll be she'll be uh, chanting some mantras for about 20 minutes and uh, just to just quietly absorb the, the, I'll say, the loving, positive vibrations that emanate from her through her through this gift. It's really yeah. quite beautiful. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it really helps you to, say, go beyond uh, any troubles, you know, all that mind stuff that we're carrying. So yes, just for indeed. a moment... You know, it's a one-hour meditation tomorrow evening. So, you know, to sit together quietly, um, have an opportunity to to, uh, to dip in this uh, ocean of love. Because uh, that's what the, the yogis, they talk about when they talk about samadhi. They say an ocean of bliss, an ocean of light, an ocean of joy. And so through the use of some simple breathing techniques, uh, some body movements, some concentrated awareness, and the use of Sanskrit mantras, um, the participants, uh, they'll feel it. They'll feel it. Yes. 
That's excellent. So give the details, <coughs> if you would, of uh, where people would go, or do they need to call in advance, or do you have a website? Okay, thank you. Um, yes, I do have a website. It's kreolove.com. Also on Facebook, uh, Kriya Love. And um, I should just define Kriya. Kri means to do. It's action. It's a Sanskrit verb. Ya means the soul, the divinity. So sacred action, action that, you know, helps you have a deeper experience of your own self and to go to the source of who you are. Yeah. And, and love, particularly Kriya Love, you know, we do everything for love. And if you don't love what you do, if there's no love, if you're practicing, you could be practicing hundreds of different meditation techniques. But if you don't, you know, if you don't have that depth of love, if you're not practicing with love, yes. you're not, and you're not getting love from your practice, then, you know, then find something. Find something that, that gives you that, that deep sense of inner peace, inner joy, you know. So, oh, um, yes. And, and I just want to say, when you experience a real, realized master, somebody like Paramahansa Yogananda, um, it's a joy, it's a love beyond words. Words cannot describe the peace, the bliss that comes from being in their presence. And for me, I was fortunate to meet uh, this type of spiritual master. Uh, the bet. event tomorrow night is at the Namaste Healing Center. It's 85th Avenue, the 11th floor. Uh, but they ask you to stop at the bookstore on the corner of 14th and 5th. I'm going to say before 6 o'clock, uh, the cost is $10, and you get a receipt there and then come up to the, the meditation center. Uh, it's a beautiful new space. It's, it's really um, quite, quite uh, a unique opportunity to in a space like this, the vibration, which is very uplifting and healing. Yeah, beautiful. Before I let you go, Don, I want to circle back a little bit to something that I was saying earlier. I don't know if you were on at that point or not. But to me, life is largely, certainly it's all about love. That's for sure. I was smitten at an early age. And uh, I also had the golden opportunity of meeting a number of wonderful spiritual teachers and masters uh, from uh, my bald-headed, pot-bellied Jewish Tai Chi teacher, Lou Kleinsmith, mm-hmm. <laughs> from Brooklyn, <laughs> who has... Um, a love master from my point of view and uh, all the way to Harya Haryananda, you know, back mm-hmm. when I first met you and um, my dear friend Rafi and uh, others. Mm-hmm. And I take the experiences of love, of the higher aspects of myself, and I bring them into the world. A mm-hmm. world that doesn't really know so much about, let's say, these higher level of frequencies and uh, vibratory rates that have the heart chakra open like a lotus, you know, like a lotus flower. And you and I and many of our friends know these experiences of utter ecstasy, joy, bliss. And then you step out onto the street. And, well, we can maintain and sustain that state of being, that state of love, for a while. And then uh, it begins to diminish a little here, a little there with, you know, increasing horns, 
punking and, you know, people uh, rolling over your feet with bicycles or what have you, you know. Um, The overall vibration of a place like New York City, which has so much dynamism, too. Certainly a lot of excitement. I would like to... But how do you do the translation and how do you bring your knowledge and your love and your wisdom into the world in a practical way? It's a very good question. Thank you for asking that question. Um, First of all, Kriya Yoga particularly is a technique for householders. It wasn't uh, for the monks. It wasn't for the aesthetics. You don't have to go into the forest and the mountains. The message of Kriya Yoga is to stay in your family, stay in your job, stay in your religion. You know, live a good life. Have yeah. a family, raise raise kids if that's what's in your heart. Get married. Uh, be highly qualified, okay? Be highly skilled in your job. For, you know, productive member of society, fulfill your responsibilities to your society, to your family. Um, you know, earn money, save money for your Understood. retirement. Okay? Right. Um, but the key thing is, is, you know, there's the spiritual plane and the material plane. So how do you find the balance, Okay. Um, you're in the world, but you're not in the world, okay? Right. Um, the, the secret is, it's really, um, and it's the hardest thing for most people, is just to sit every day. If you can sit for five minutes in meditation, even five minutes, you know, it, it's really a great joy, and, it, and it's really one of the best things you can possibly do, okay? So, you know, so I teach whatever technique, you know, whatever practice you're doing, you know, the important thing is to practice it, okay? And if you can sit uh, in the morning and in the evening, even for 5, 10, 15 minutes, you know, you're able to maintain it through the day. And so you start to see what things in your life give you more peace, more joy, and what things take away from your peace and your calmness. So you make yeah. some subtle changes, and that's called spiritual maturity, okay? Mm-hmm. You become more spiritual mature. You start to understand, you know, what things are giving you a better life, a better quality life. Okay. Yes. I, I just want I just want to say one thing. Um, uh, and I I had seen uh, Deepak Chopra uh, talk about the Buddha, and his, he was saying that you have to understand the Buddha walked this earth. He was flesh and blood, just like you and I. And if he was able to achieve this extraordinary extraordinary state of consciousness, then you can do it. Okay, you know. Yes, so, indeed. And, and, it, and this is what Harry Harananda taught was: this is why we're born. This is your birthright. It's why we are here. You know, it's you know, it's our potential, but it's more than our potential. It's really who we are. We are this, so we have to yes. cultivate it. We have to, we have to slow down. We have to take a step back. We have to, you know, because it's modern time. Modern time means no time. <laughs> yeah. Right. We have no time. We're constantly busy. So. How do you find the time? You know, so to answer your question, um, how do you maintain it in the in in the midst of the world, the world of life? Um, Kriya Yoga is based on the breath. By studying your breath, by watching your breath, by observing your breath, okay, by trying to perceive, you know, where that breath is coming from, because this breath is the most precious thing but we really, we're not conscious of it. And we're one breath away. If, if we miss one breath, that's it. Okay, we leave the body. Okay? Yeah. So we need okay, to, you know, yeah. and then, 
you know, so the breath is a, a very simple way of staying uh, aware. In touch and, and in bridging touch. the right. worlds and bridging the worlds, right. spiritual and so, material. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I want to thank you very much for joining me here and sharing your wisdom with our audience. Thank you. Okay. And I hope you have a wonderful, loving Valentine's Day and all your readers, um, all your listeners yeah. also. <laughs> okay, you. wonderful. Thanks again, Don. Be well and you too. Thank and you. Enjoy, enjoy Rosa Hanna. Yes. yes. Come uh, Okay. Thank you. Excellent. I won't be there, but I'll be there in spirit. Yes, next time. Okay. Good Thank night you. now. This is Don Abrams of the Kriya Yoga World, and uh, he has been etching out a following here in New York City over the course of many years, and um, he's just a, a lovely, lovely human being. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World, and I'm so glad you're joining us again today. And know that if you are not part of our newsletter yet, oh, it is time. It is time to join us at www.abetterworld.tv. That's www.abetterworld.tv. Well, what is this A Better World thing all about anyway, eh? What do you think? You know, I would say that as truly a function of love in our hearts, We have the impulse to want to create a better world, a world of harmony, a world that sustains love, good cheer, goodwill, humor, fun, delight, joy. Like, is that a surprise? Would that surprise anyone? No. So I took that notion that deep, humane, and divine impulse to live in a world that we know we can create. We know that our good common sense, our Buddha nature, since Don mentioned Buddha, uh, would have us seek to create. Certainly, we don't want to live in a pig pen, do we? Of course not. We're not supposed to be pigs. Therefore, we are to live in human society. And the ancient archetype of that society is Shangri-La. That's one of them. And if you haven't seen the film Lost Horizon or read the book, oh, do, do, do. And the other archetypal notion that we have, image that we have, that we carry with us, embedded and embodied deep in our psyche, is that of Shambhala. And that comes to us from at least ancient Tibet, if not elsewhere as well. Um, There is this idea that was put forth by a religionist, a professor at University of Chicago, Mircea Eliada, of the, uh, the eternal return and this idea of there being a paradise from which we all came and to which we seek to return. And it's embedded deep in our nature. And so when I speak of a better world every week through the guests that I have or the 
shows I do with myself here and all of you or through the blogs I write or the work on the website or the Huffington Post or naturalnews.com and on and on and on is about creating that energy field first of the divine human on this planet and what we can manifest in terms of our own personal hygiene. Taoist practices were originally understood as practices of hygiene, daily hygiene. So that means what you ate, what you drank, what you put into your body, what you put on your body, and both of a physical, material sort, as well as of a spiritual sort. What was the quality of the air we breathed? What were the meditations and the images we were going to dwell on in our mind's eye? All of this is a form of, you could call, nutrition. And so we would, as Michelle was sort of indicating earlier, uh, die without love. Well, I think that's very true. Love is a form of spiritual nutrition. And people say, aha, that sounds like hogwash. Well, you know, one of my teachers, Mr. George Ivanovich Gurdjieff, no, I didn't know him in the flesh, but he's a teacher nonetheless, used to speak about impressions being food. <laughs> Our impressions, yeah. Yes, what we see. So therefore, it enters into the space of what is beauty? What is dwelling in nature? How beautiful is beautiful? And what do we think of as beauty? And can we see the beautiful in other things that others might deem as the opposite? Our ability to open our aperture, our sensory perception, to see beauty in virtually everything is a powerful spiritual practice. And it is a food when you see something beautiful, you experience humility in the face of beauty. You experience awe. And that experience has, think about it physiologically, an effect on the brain. It allows the brain to become more coherent. It has an effect on the heart. It allows the heart to become more coherent. When our body becomes more coherent. That means it's working more efficiently. That means cellular respiration is at an all-time high. It means its ability to absorb nutrients and ex uh, eliminate that which is no longer needed is also at a maximum. Our system is flowing with energy, or as we say in Chinese, qi. And we experience a heightened state of being when in the presence of beauty. So when Gurdjieff referred to impressions being food, it is literally a form of nourishment. And if we deny ourselves beauty in what we conceive of and perceive as beauty, we are actually re 
our intelligence because there are all sorts of synaptic and neuronal connections that are made in associations when we dwell on beauty. We become starved for beauty. We long for it. You see? So when you begin thinking this way, you begin to see that there's a whole lot more to this metaphysical conversation than may first appear. So with that said, uh, I see that someone else has called in, and since this is a day of calling in, I'm going to inquire as to who this is. Hello, who's that on the line? Hello, Mitchell. This is Michelangelo. Michelangelo? Yes, we met each other at Rona's um, when you were Oh, yes, Michelangelo. I thought you meant when I met you at the Sistine Chapel. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Michelangelo, hey, how are you? I am doing so fine. I'm doing so fine. I just, by chance, Spirit told me to check into Facebook, and I came across your site there and what you're sharing here. I've seen it before, but... It says call in before 7 o'clock, and I just was listening to what you're sharing, and it is on the point. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, I got the goosebumps. I'm like, this is this is where we are, my brother. What you're sharing is absolutely true. It's from the diet and the way that we are bringing the energies of the different colors of the foods that we are bringing into our bodies, which yes. can resonate with the different chakras that we have. And yes. it is the connection with the source and people tend to ask where is the source where can I find the source and I'm sensing that voice and people tend to ask someone else outside of them continue to ask yourself that and then there comes this stillness that there is no more even asking then there's the stillness that is that silence which will answer you and where is yeah. Where is that? How do I get better at this? And how do I do better at that? All of that is inside yourself. And then the whole universe and the galaxies will begin to flow, which they already do, unhampered, without any conditions, because it already does that. And then everything is answered. There's no more even questions. There just is this place of being, and that is nutrients for the entire galaxies, not only for human beings, but for all life forms that we can see with our eyes, two eyes, or we can be and we can go everywhere. We're everything all together in one life source and, and force. And it's ever amazing. Healing yes, is already indeed. already there for us. Our, our DNA has already transformed and, and has been renewed every single second. And mm. when we feel it, it's already it, yep. it, it it already is, and that's the joyous thing. Is like, I don't have to do anything. No. <laughs> right. Exactly. You just have to be, baby. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it, and it's a joyous thing. It's a melody, like a bird. For example, birds don't stop to ask, "How are they going to sing a melody?" The melody yeah. is singing the bird, and the instrument is that 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 those lungs are like a windpipes of um the Scottish people who are blowing it. It's the wind that fills those lungs or those pipes, and it's the melody of the player that's breathing in synchronicity so everything is in total pitch. You don't have to do anything. Very true. You know, you're reminding me, Michelangelo, of uh, 
a line in a film that I saw that I really recommend to everyone. It's a documentary called Urban Roots, and it yes. takes place in Detroit. Do you know it? <laughs> well, I, I know Detroit. <laughs> you know Detroit. Well, Detroit is going through one hell of a process right now. This is a film that was made a few years back <clears throat> about taking what became the dregs of a city and step-by-step converting it into an agricultural event. I mean, this is awesome. A lot of guys started, and gals, started to uh, plant seeds in the local parks and grow gardens of tomatoes and cucumbers and lettuce and every single which thing. And before you know it, they were actually becoming urban farmers. And they were taking their produce and bringing it to the local farm, you know, the local markets, like we have here at Union Square and all over the city, actually. And it it, it was a film all about that process of people who were down and out on welfare, on Medicare, on SSI, on Social Security, just turning their lives around by making a new connection with the earth and planting seeds. And then the next thing you know, people who were in rehab of one sort or another, like alcohol and drug addiction and people who had been in jail were coming out and becoming farmers. And one of these guys said, you know, I've been thinking about the unemployment situation a lot, but when I really get my hands down and dirty into the soil and I feel Mother Earth, I ask myself a question. Have I ever seen a bird that's unemployed? Thank you. That <laughs> is the honest truth. One has to is that awesome? Have we ever seen a bird that's unemployed? I loved it. It's the truth. And on that point, one, we have, um, for the masses, have been programmed to depend on a master or a, an outside source yes. to think for us, to be responsible for us that we cannot do. So it's, 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 it's giving, it, that's the veil that has been placed on us, that we believe that there is yeah. something out there, therefore it's going to take care of us. But the fact of the matter is, as you mentioned about those seeds, those seeds are not dependent upon um, an outside source. The, the fire is within, and the fire is the same in the sun. It's not dependent upon us to be here. It is that. It yes. doesn't separate itself from that. And the unemployment, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm from Detroit. I was born there, and there was a time of the 60s. Oh, you're and, from Detroit. The, oh, that's yes, hilarious. That's I had no that's idea. What, so I'm born in Detroit. So the way of the the, the growth of what's happening in in, in 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 humankind is that the whole galaxy is is is, is becoming more and more um, vital. And the illusion from the humans that we think that we are separate from that, we are seeds that are planted on this earth. We are the seeds that are going to transcend this human world. The earth. Mother is a seed inside the womb of Mother God. Yes. yes. There's no difference. We think that we're different and everything. Like that we're breathing the same air and we can fly in all these other situations. We are phenomenal beings. But when we give up our um, sovereignty to a man, meaning another human, to yeah. say this, are where, this is who you are, to label us, 
then yes. that becomes the unemployment and that becomes the slavery or that becomes the enslavement. Hmm? We are totally phenomenal beings, just like the sun is doing what it's doing. And you are continue to share what you're sharing. I'm going to look at, listen to you again next week as well, okay? Beautiful. Michelangelo, thanks for joining me. I so appreciate okay. it. And sharing your here. wisdom. God okay, bless. God bless you, my brother. I, I, do you care. get the newsletter? Do you get the newsletter? Get, a better world I'm going to get it now. I'm going to get oh, it now because yeah. I'm going to do everything on the, on the Facebook and connect with you that way as well on your own. God um, bless you. I'm so God glad you, you came brother. and weighed in. Yes, thank you so love much. One love. Okay, ciao. Much love, love you too. Okay. Mm, bye-bye. And happy Valentine's Day. Bye-bye. Now. Okay, thank you so much. God bless you. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So is that fun? Is that fun? He's a lovely fellow. Uh, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Rona Allen, uh, was sponsoring a series of concerts in her home in New Jersey, just over the GW Bridge this past summer. And uh, at one of those, I had the wonderful opportunity to meet Michelangelo. And uh, I don't think he's Italian, but he's got a beautiful Italian name. So, yes, you know, I'm going to come full circle here with a notion I was putting forth to Don that I'd like to kind of continue the stream of. As those of you who are listening have heard several different, you could say, streams of awareness, of consciousness, of thought that bring them to the, you know, the uh, next stop on their river. And they're all similar and they're all different. And that's the way we were made, to be similar but different. And you don't have to remind me that I am my own snowflake. We all are. And I remember reading a nutritionist, actually, some years back, that a good friend of mine uh, turned me on to, who had been a student of mine many years ago, Nick Corona, when I was working closely with Gary at the various retreats uh, back in the early 90s, although even as recently as this past summer down in Naples. But uh, Nick Corona, dear, dear man, and I hope he's still with us. I saw him out in Las Vegas last December, a year ago this December, and he wasn't doing so well. I really should give him a call, but he was a lively spirit. And uh, what he turned me on to this nutritionist who did a mathematical formula that proved how we were all one in the true physics sense and by design of God or nature however you would like to think of it, were uniquely individual. Bio, psycho-bio individual is the way I like to put it. So no two people are ever alike by design. They're similar, but they ain't alike, like one. Uh Uh-uh. And it's by design If you think about it from the point of view of nature, it's highly adaptational because if 
Otherwise, we would have essentially a monoculture. We would all have the same skills and the same talents. And, you know, we could bend a bow this way, but not that way. But what if all of a sudden we had to bend it that way and we could only do it this way? Then what? What if nature's soil only learns to generate the um, nutrients for growing corn and loses its ability to grow a tomato or a potato or a cucumber? Can you imagine? So the brilliance of the creation has in its very soul the idea of individuality. We all may be part of a species, most of us. No, I'm kidding. Of course, we're part of a species, and then we can narrow scale it down to we're part of a certain bloodline, we're part of a certain genealogy, a certain lineage, a certain family, a certain clan, a certain village, but we're all within all of those scopes and contexts. Boy, oh boy, an individual by design. It's adaptive and it is so smart. Who wants a clone? And this is one of the scary things that humans are doing. They have deviated from the norm of love. We have deviated with living out of our minds instead of our hearts and bodies. Our mind is incredible. And it should be a servant of us, not our master. And when people become too mental, they lose touch with their heart and their soul and their body. And when they do that, They start going off into these very weird worlds where things like genetically modified organisms become okay, messing with nature's DNA. Or they start thinking about things like bovine growth hormone or, you know, changing the diet of cows to grain instead of cud. Bizarre ideas, or or spraying our beautiful dark rich soil with pesticides, insecticides, and herbicides, when somehow life has continued for all of these millennia without such drugs. They are a form of drug. They're certainly chemicals, you know, and leading further onto the notion of cloning. I mean, it's like it's otherworldly. Where did it come from? And why should it remain? I argue it shouldn't. I say there's really no room on planet Earth for that kind of bizarre, distorted phenomenon. And if people remained grounded and anchored and centered in their body and their heart, these would be considered wayward ideas. Now, there are technologies that are utterly brilliant that can and do every moment of the day assist humanity in the course of their action, lead 
healthier lives even, better lives, more convenient lives, more efficient lives, giving us the value of time and leisure, or so computers are supposed to. But then there are these other distortions of technology, such as bombs and nuclear power and uh, missiles and rockets that are designed for military use. And these don't have a healthy edge to them. They have a destructive edge to them. And we live, unfortunately, in a life-denying, death-rattling society. It's not a pretty thing to say. It's not a pretty thing to see. It just happens to be true. Otherwise, why is there such a preoccupation with the military, with war, and with violence wherever you go? This is becoming the air we breathe and the water in which we swim. And so it is that morphogenetic field that we are all feeding back into. And I say... Each one of us individually need to come together collectively to shift the energy field, man. We need to shift the energy field, which will allow for new thoughts, a greater sense of novelty, fresh air, quite literally, new chi, which will nourish us in ways that we haven't been nourished before. And the thing we want most nourishment from is love. And we are the source of love. And so when we meet someone to whom we're attracted, you know that yin-yang attraction, that defined polarity by nature that has <coughs> excuse me, opposites attract and want to dance together and hold hands and touch one another and look in each other's eyes. This generates a power that is utterly transformative. Shakespeare knew it. Chaucer knew it. The ancient Greek comedians and tragedians knew it. All life knows it everywhere. It's that embedded in our cellular structure. That love. They say God is love. What is God? Can people really answer that question? Certainly, I say it's life itself and it's love itself. It really is a both end. I believe, actually, that life was born out of love. I don't know if I can prove it, but I'm going to say it because it's a creation myth that I personally endorse and feel really good about. And since we are the authors of our own story, and all we're doing in this life is storytelling anyway, and hopefully acting things out as well, good things, then, good stories, that is, then why not make up the story we want to live by? There's a book called Metaphors We Live By, and written by the linguist, oh, what is his name? I love this guy. Metaphors We Live By, I'm 
contacted him to have him on the show once. I'll have to follow up on that. And there's another book called Myths We Live By. And one of the cornerstones of the theme is that we write the story. We are the authors. That's where the idea of authority actually comes from, that we are writing our own stories. It's Greek. So let's write a good story, my friends. Let's make this a wonderful Valentine's Day. Let there be love in the air in every which direction. And it doesn't matter if you're single or you're hitched or you're this or you're that. No, no, no. This love of which I speak goes beyond and inside of all of the conventional arrangements of where and how love is expressed. Love is expressed when you're walking down the street and you see a beautiful child giggling and smiling and you just want to grab it by the cheek and pinch it. Oh, you are just so beautiful. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you see an older person walking down the road and you see how difficult it is, but when you see their face, there's a smile there that they're happy and proud to be alive, to be walking, even if it's slow. You see somebody opening a door for somebody else and you see that there's love in that interaction. There's a moment of kindness through the intention, let alone the action. I say we live in a state of love. All of the kindnesses we do for each other all the time. That impulse that we have, I say it's biological to reach out to one another in all the myriad ways in which we do and offer something, small, medium, large. That's not the point. The point is that we follow the impulse and we listen to it. Anyway, I want to just thank you all for listening and joining me today on A Better World. And please, if you haven't yet gotten onto our website at abetterworld.tv, join our newsletter. It's a thriving and growing A Better World community. And it, in it, we share a huge amount of love and kindness and cooperation, a lot of creativity and thoughtfulness and, God knows, a bit of humor. We become indignant at some of the ways we see some of our human, our fellow human beings act toward each other and with each other, seeking to dominate each other, control each other, enslave one another, do all of the horrid things that humans can do to each other. And I say it's because they have lost touch with love. They have lost their center. They have lost their balance. And just as Dante says in the Inferno, they have lost their way in the wood. And there are those of us who seek to bring them back, bring back our brothers and sisters to the state of balance that I've been talking about, and so have the others on the show tonight been talking about throughout the entire show. The sense of balance, a sense of peace, and inner serenity, 
and expressing it in the world that will change the vibratory rate of the planet, of the morphogenetic field, and that is dealing with the etheric, which then later materializes. There's a lot more we need to do. God knows we have our hands full of confusion and ignorance, which according to the Buddhist perspective are actually poisons. They're toxic. So it becomes incumbent upon us to do what we can to help our brothers and sisters see the light, really step out and get to another vibratory rate so they can rejoin the human race on another level and be reborn into that higher vibratory rate so they can have a life that is blessed and graced instead of in pain. On that note, thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, We will be having other titillating shows in the upcoming months. You can be sure of that. George Nouri is scheduled to be on coming up of Coast to Coast. Uh, Justine Toms, Michael Toms' wife, uh, Michael Toms, who just passed recently, who is a famous radio celebrity, just a man of great heart, who has certainly been um, an icon for many of us who do radio and TV. And, well, we do have a star-studded, heroic number of people who will be joining me here on A Better World, helping us all do what we can to create a better world for one and for all. Mitchell J. Rabin, thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you all next